Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the 16th episode of Taps and Patience. I am AJ of Design the Everything, and I am here with Harrison of Precision Ingenuity. Hey, Harrison. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing this evening? Still a little bit sick, but much better than I was. Yeah, well, whatever you had, it, it must have made its way this way because I caught a little bit something earlier this week, although I appear to be on the back end of it. So hopefully I'm doing a lot better now. So I do have an update on what I have, and it appears to be bronchitis. Oh. It has not been confirmed with like any lab tests or anything, but um, from talking to doctor, that appears to be what it is. Oh, that's no fun. Fortunately, yeah. the treatment for bronchitis is basically just wait and drink tea and take some Advil. Like, Yeah. I've I've had what would amount to be the common cold or typical flu season stuff. Uh, sore throat, runny nose, coughing, that kind of stuff. Yep. Headache. You were you were probably around family, I imagine, groups of people bringing mm-hmm. in new yeah. new diseases from afar. <laughs> Something like that. So Anyway, so how has your year been? It, this year is almost over. I was going to say this is our first full year, and it's been it's it's been awesome, um, and it's also leading into a scary point in the business. So start out with the awesome. Um, you know, we started out with the business for the first half or a little over half of the year. Uh, it felt kind of aimless. Um. We did work. A lot of it was zometry, and some of it was for some local people, some design work. Um, and then towards the second half, the ball really started rolling, and we're making a lot more connections. And I feel like we're turning into an actual business, which is awesome. But we're about to that point where I had about a year's worth of personal savings saved up, mm-hmm. and. I'm about to the end of my rope on that. So the biz- it's, we're about to the point where the business needs to put up or shut up. Because um, um, if, if, if we don't start making enough to start bringing money home, um, it's going to make things very difficult in the near future. So there's a lot of potential on the horizon. Um, I've talked a lot about some bigger deals that could happen, but none of them have happened yet. And so yeah. right now all I have is, is a bag full of promises um that i'm hoping that i can get i can capture so i can keep this keep this ride going uh because it's honestly been the the most fun and and the best investment and and personal investment that i've ever had in my entire life um getting getting a little bit personal um my shop is in my dad's shop right now so i've taken over part of his garage and we kind of have like a I call it the family compound. Uh, it's my <laughs> dad, my grandparents on my mom and dad's side, and my uncle all live on the same driveway. And so I've gotten to get really close with one of my grandpas, grandpa on my dad's side. Um, and this time has been um, invaluable in the fact that he's getting up there in years and he's probably not going to make it another 5, 10, 15 years Um He's, I think, I think he's getting close to the '90s range up there. So um, he comes down. He started his own business um, a long time ago, and he sold out a couple of years ago. Um, 
And so he loves coming down and checking up on us boys and seeing how me, me and my cousin and seeing how we're doing. And we got a, a rocking chair for him that we, uh, that we got just for him so he could come down and sit and talk to us while we work and kind of see how we're doing. Um, and, and that's the kind of stuff that makes me so happy to have been able to do this. And I know I'm kind of talking like it's done and it's not done, but it's, uh, it's a precarious point that we're at right now. And I'm really hoping that we can pull through. Yep. And I mean, I think it's probably a pretty common stage for, for all new businesses. Uh, I know looking forward at some point I'm going to hit the same place where like, I know how much money I have left in the bank and I know how much I'm spending and mm-hmm. I know how much design the everything is bringing in. And right now, if everything keeps up, at the same rate, like I'm going to run out of money before I'm profitable. So mm-hmm. I've got to, you know, keep growing. Yep. But it sounds like you, like it, it sounds like you guys are just starting to get some really good traction right now. And yeah, you just it, need, you just need a little bit longer. Yeah. And, and that's what I keep telling my cousin. It's like, we have a lot of traction that we're starting to get. And on the gun side of stuff, we need to start selling some guns. We've bought several guns that we need to turn around and sell. And like, I was doing some mental math the other day and we have several grand that we've invested in different things that ha- we haven't seen paybacks from. And we also have several big jobs that we've spent money up front on that we haven't seen paybacks on. And if everything was to pay out today, if I could magically wave a wand and say, Hey, everything that we have outstanding that could sell and that could do all this stuff and it could just magically sell or magically we could get our money back or whatever. We'd be doing actually really, really well. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I mean, we, we'd have enough money for a, a couple months, I feel like. Um, but that doesn't, that's not how business works. You have to have working capital. And I feel like we've been slowly filling up that work, working capital reserve to the point where um, if we could just, push it a little bit further we can start having some actual cash on hand that we can use to pay ourselves some percentage of um and that's something that i would like to sit down and actually like go through all the numbers for the year at some point and figure Mm -hmm. out what did we spend what was worth spending money on you know we i was thinking about this the other day our kickstarter campaign where we did those um those the deck defenders Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of money tied up in those things. Um, and they haven't really paid back nearly what they should have. Now it's been a great education. We've learned a lot from it and I'm not sure I would trade that experience for not doing it, but there's definitely better ways that that money could have been spent. And we definitely held it too close to the chest and should have been, um, sharing more of it along the way. Uh, you know, I look at how your, your carabiners have gone you have been extremely vocal about that um, project as you've been going through the challenges and you have really good documentation and people eat that up and and Mm -hmm. that gets the word out and helps it sell. It's a form of advertising that we didn't really take advantage of through our whole process. Like it would have been great to have shown us making the first prototype. And it would have been great to show the struggles of making our first fixture of the challenges of getting stuff anodized of actually documenting this stuff in a social media type platform. Um, and I think we would have been a lot more successful. 
uh, as well as we've never really sold any of our own stuff before. And we're just now starting to get some major traction on stuff like Etsy. And mm-hmm. so I don't know if, if I feel like if Etsy and a couple of these jobs were able to keep going at the pace that they've been going, we'll be fine. But I don't know with the holiday season ending out and a bag full of promises, like I said, um, it'll be interesting to see how it actually plays out. Have you started to see any dip in your Etsy sales after Christmas? Um, I mean, we're only a couple days after Christmas at this point, and we've still had a couple sales come in after Christmas. Um, like I think That's we good. had two. We I think we had two sales today. Um, two or three sales today. Three sales today. So I mean. That's not nothing. That's still decent. Um, so I would I would say that we haven't seen a, like a major drop off. Although it'll be interesting this weekend because most of our sales happen over the weekend. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting from um, Friday to uh, Monday next week um, how many sales we end up getting. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't know if I've seen any since Christmas. Maybe I had one. I think I sold some key rings. Um. Though, to be fair, I haven't really been posting on Instagram much, and I definitely did it over Christmas. So there's probably some lag in sales there because I haven't been, you know, selling. So, side question. Um, do you pay attention to your growth on Instagram much? No, not 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 at all on Instagram. Okay. I've given up on Instagram, basically. Like, it's a fun place to share stories. I occasionally post... Um, YouTube is what I see as my social media moving forwards. Okay. Well, we finally, we, oh, wow. That's awesome. I hadn't checked it today, but we finally crossed the 700 followers, but it feels like the last few days it has, um, it has slowed down drastically in the last week. Um, yeah, that sounds right to me. So, and I didn't know if that was the season or if there was something else that was going on with that. I I know for me, uh, let's see, can I show my analytics on here? Um, but I I know for me, I had one post that that took off. I'm gonna do this. Mm-hmm. Off um, and so like that got me a lot of followers and views. <laughs> I clicked on the link from Instagram, and the link <laughs> doesn't work. Nice. It, I, I don't think I can show it here easily. Um. Anyway, I got I had one post take off. It was the one where my my Tormach dropped the touch probe, which I'm not sure we mm-hmm. ever touched we ever talked about. Yeah. Um and that is up to like fifty thousand views or something like that, and five hundred shares and two hundred follows, which is which is pretty good. Um but other than that, I have been I haven't been very active on Instagram. But you can see in my analytics both Instagram, YouTube, and Etsy. As soon as Christmas hits, they all just taper off. Ah, uh, okay. So the last three months, we've grown 35% on Instagram. That's awesome. Um, which is amazing. Um, and that's what makes me feel like the last seven days have been really slow. Because we've mm-hmm. been averaging um, like 2 to 3% a week. And I'm at like 0.1% for the last week. So I didn't know if that was just the season or if there was something going on. And maybe I'm becoming hyper-focused on Instagram to some extent Mm -hmm. because I'm trying to... I've been seeing massive growth in it. And I want to get our name out there as much as I can. So... 
Yeah, I mean it's it's everywhere. Here's my Insta or my YouTube analytics, uh, which is they're a little bit flat anyway because I haven't been posting videos. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at if you go to revenue and you look at the RPM, which is the amount of money that you actually made over the um, over your last thousand or let me rephrase that your it is the amount of money on average that you made over a thousand views. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see like in the past it was really high and mm-hmm. then it kind of evened out a little bit. I think when I stopped doing the daily vlogs and I stopped posting as much, mm-hmm. um, but then Friday, December 23rd, it just drops dramatically. And that's just because the advertisers know nobody's on the platform right now. So nobody is paying for ads. Um, gotcha. here can we. Zooming in doesn't really help very much, but yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <coughs> so it, this is I, a known I, thing, basically, yeah, is that yeah. sales drop right after Christmas until mm-hmm. like um, Valentine's Day, basically. Yeah, that makes sense. So hang on, I need to blow my nose a second. Okay. Um, I guess I have you guys all to myself while he's blowing his nose. Normally it's me blowing my nose and Harrison does a really good job of covering it like seamlessly so that you guys don't even notice unless you're watching in the video and you can see me, you know, snorting and sniffling. Uh, but I don't have the same skill with words that Harrison does. So I hope he's back now. So <laughs> I have someone to talk to. <laughs> oh, shoot. Bloody nose. Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Um, I, it's it's so cold here, and the we we had negative four degree um, weather, yep. um, and that made it so cold that we actually did not work on Friday. Now I have this wonderful. Those of you watching my video, I, I apologize. <laughs> this is just a um, treat for people in video. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the uh, the shop got so cold, and actually, when we came in and started working on, we actually worked a little on Monday and Tuesday this week. Um, the lathe actually started making a funny noise because it was so cold and we mm. had to do multiple warm up cycles to get it yep. sounding halfway decent again. Yeah. So. We we had some really extreme cold for a while too. Um which is a whole non-machining story in itself there. Um but where we are there's like we're in the middle of fields and mm-hmm. so for a while we had wind chills of negative 40 degrees. Mhm. Um which is naturally when I had to go out and check on something in my parents' cabin and then got stuck of in the course. snowdrift on my way back and had to dig dig myself out of the snowdrift with a piece of tile that I had in my car because of Cervent Solutions. <laughs> so <laughs> Nice. Um, uh, but I survived. I was I was dressed for the cold, thankfully. Like I had all the winter gear that you would need on, so I was fine. But that's I was good. stuck in the snowbank for an hour. Oh, that's, or that's a snow good. drift, I should say. Yeah. Now, um, make one hundred. Yes. How's that coming? Um, you mean the Kickstarter I'm supposed to launch in three days and I haven't started yet? Yes. That. In any way. <laughs> um, needless to say, it's not launching in three days. I just haven't been able to get to it. Um, this last Kickstarter is still hanging over my head. I need to get everything shipped which will be happening for 100% on Friday. So, Oh, so you, there's still a few that you haven't shipped yet? Yes. Uh, before Christmas, I was left with um, 
everybody who ordered a certain style of pry bar, there was two styles of pry bar. One I added in the middle of the campaign. And so I didn't mm-hmm. have any of those like machines and ready to go. Uh, and then I broke a slitting saw and then, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, and the other one was people who ordered the key slings, which is the wristlets, because we ordered the elastic and then the wrong size elastic came in for those. Oh, fun. Um, and we had to get more elastic in. And that elastic showed up like basically on Christmas. Um, so my wife is going to be sewing those, net, you know, probably tomorrow or so. And yeah. then my graphic designer buddy Scott is coming in on Friday and we're going to wrap up all the shipping. Yeah. Which I, I got mine the day before Christmas, my keychain, and I really like it. Turned out really good. Your, uh, your powder coating isn't nearly as thick as some of the other ones I've seen. Um, on my carabiners or in general, just in general, powder coating in general. Cause like that's been my number one concern with powder coating is I took some stuff to get powder coated and it added, gosh, almost a 16th inch um, to the parts. It was crazy. And that was to a local powder coating coating shop. So that is actually something that I am very much struggling with on these. And I've had to rework just like a ton of carabiners. Um, In fact, I spent all day today doing rework on powder coating from carabiners that I powder coated too thickly. And the problem that I have is that the there's what's called the Faraday effect, um, mm-hmm. as in Faraday cage, which is that if you have a sharp corner, the powder will be repelled from it. And my carabiners are basically entirely sharp corners. Um, I was hoping that the tumbling would round those over a little bit more than it did. Um, and it's only an issue on some of the colors. I think some of them are more transparent than others, specifically the yellow and the manta green. Um, there is a very fine line between the carabiner being completely coated and then the carabiner being a glob of powder coat. Gotcha. And so I've, I have reworked. Well, I stripped the powder off of about probably 60 carabiners today with a mm-hmm. chemical stripper because we found out heat just makes carabiners <laughs> not into carabiners. Um, and so that chemical stripper didn't work quite like I wanted it to. And so it was kind of a, a whole big ordeal. It got the paint. It got the powder off of the carabiners really easily. Like it, mm-hmm. um, they shriveled up like a snake shedding its skin. Mm-hmm. But the, the stripper that I ordered, I expected it to be like, you know, basically the consistency of water or acetone, but mm-hmm. it's like a thick gloop, like oh, the no. consistency of a, of like a pudding oh, and wow. like you can't get it off of the carabiners easily. So like I removed the, the coating, but then getting the gloop off of the carabiners has been a major challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's kind of a nasty chemical, so I don't want to just like, you know, use the air gun on my air compressor to blow them off because I'm afraid, you know, where that goop is going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, I would hate to like accidentally spray my uh, my brother's Ford Mustang, which is hanging out of my shop. Yeah, that would not engine. be good. Yeah, that would be bad. Be I don't want to strip the paint off of that. Um, what year? Is his Mustang? Oh, I don't know. It's not a super old one. It's maybe like a 05 or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, 
but I told him he could store it in here to and put a new engine because it's warm in here and cold outside. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so I've been, you know, I've been stripping this powder off of the, the carabiners and eventually I just like got some of those big um, like dish gloves and went in. I, I had it all in a, a box and I was like mm-hmm. digging through the box and like trying to bang the pudding off of the carabiners, trying to keep as much of it as I could because it was mm-hmm. also like $100 a gallon. So I yeah. want to keep this stuff as long as I can. Um, so can I you banged as much it? of So it is water-based, but the water does not seem to break it down. Okay. Um, it stays fairly, fairly puddingy. Um, next question is, do you have an ultrasonic cleaner? I do have an ultrasonic cleaner, which also hasn't done as much as I would like. Um, so I would not fill the ultrasonic cleaner with this solution, but what I have seen other people do is they'll take a, a plastic bag mm -hmm. and they'll fill it full of the solution and then they'll stick that in the water. And then the water will go through, it'll go through the water and into, through the uh, the plastic bag and into your solution without actually having to dump it into the ultrasonic cleaner itself. And yes. then you could have a couple, ba- a couple carabiners in there maybe. I don't know. Oh, just know. dumping all the carabiners into a box of the solution worked great. Like I have a plastic oh, tote that I dedicated. Yeah, it, it was fine there. Um, oh, okay. The problem was getting the gloop off of the carabiners so that I can gotcha. then go down farther down the process. Gotcha. And part of my problem is also because I don't have like drainage at my shop. So like, it, I now, can't just use throw a ton of water at the problem because I have to empty out a five gallon bucket every time that fills up. Um, now, does the as as the goop is doing its thing, does it leave particles of the the powder coat in the goop? I'm assuming. It so this is kind of one of the things that took a lot of work. Is it? It sheds the powder coating like a snake skin. And okay. Can the you snake pick it out skin of the goop? stays around the carabiner. So there's no there's no powder coat really left in the goop. Um okay. but now all of the carabiners have these little snake skins around them that you have to go through and peel off one by one. And parts of it like breaks off and gets stuck in the holes and um could you retumble well, them to get it off? Potentially. Okay. Uh, I tried sandblasting it and that kind of worked, but it left a, um, it left those snake skins in the sand of my sandblaster, mm-hmm. which then clogs the nozzle. Mm-hmm. So I, I stopped doing that. And I mean, you can pull them off with hand or by hand or with a, um, I was using one of my pry bars actually to just kind of peel them off. Um, gotcha. it's just, I have learned that this shape of carabiner is basically the worst possible shape for everything uh, <laughs> in terms of finishing because it's so hard um, to tumble and it, it's hard to sandblast. It's hard to powder coat. It's hard to remove the powder coat. It's just not a convenient shape. There's lots of little nooks and crannies mm-hmm. and the walls are so thin. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to have to sit there for another couple hours with a pry bar and peel off the, uh, all the ones that I, I had to rework and then hope I do a better job of powder coating this time around. Fair enough. Um, there was something I was going to ask you. What was it? Um, oh, 
So in an effort to um, come up with uh, something to keep our business going, we thought about doing another Kickstarter. And I wanted to talk to you okay. about that. Um, obviously, we're, we're probably can't get anything out in time for the Make 100. And that's what we did last year. Um, and I don't know if I... Huh? You have a you have a month. Make one hundreds any time in January. Yeah, I'm, but I don't know if I want to limit myself to a hundred or something. Like you a, don't like have a, to limit yourself to a hundred or something. You just have to limit yourself to a hundred of some edition of something. So, for example, with the tape measures, I'm going to have a hundred of the like algorithmically generated ones that'll be mm-hmm. more expensive, and then mm-hmm. I'm still going to sell the regular ones that we already have. The regular oh, okay. ones will not be limited. The algorithmically generated ones will be limited gotcha okay that's a good point but with that in mind um we've been trying to think of something to make and something that i was thinking of was and i think i have it over here excuse me as i rummage in my bag a second that's fine. Go ahead. So for people here, I'll talk for a second uh, while he's working on that. So my Kickstarter, I'm still aiming to launch in January as part of the Make 100 event. Originally, I was aiming to launch on the first, but considering I have like three weeks of work to do before that, uh, that's not going to happen. So now I think I'm probably aiming at the 15th. That'll give me two weeks or so to get my act together, which I think is just barely enough time to get it all done. So we um, have been engraving these utility blades Mm -hmm. with a Damascus pattern on them. And so I was thinking maybe we could make something as I dropped it, make something to hold them like a and I know it's been done a bunch, the mm-hmm. the, the utility knife stuff. Um, but one thing I was thinking of was we recently ripped the carpet out of one of the rooms because we we're going to put vinyl flooring in it, um, like a scraper instead of a utility knife, like a mini scraper. I don't know if that would be cool or not. Potentially. I mean, it, uh, Fidget Things has a kind of terrifying knife thing that's kind mm-hmm. of in the form of a scraper mm-hmm. um, and those seem to sell pretty well despite the fact that they're terrifying um, yeah i wonder if i can go find it find one to show you so like i mean I, there's a market for everything yeah so i was thinking something along those lines um honestly I, I like how much stuff you do with laser cut material and so that was another thing i was trying to think of something laser cut that we could you know do some machining on and then the last thing I was thinking on was like a pen of some sort. But those are very Kickstarter-y like items. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Send Cut Send workflow is awesome. Okay, it yeah, really here is. is his, here's his, I think this is the terrifying scraper thing. Oh, if, if it loads. <laughs> Gotta love internet. Um, uh, no, that's not the one I'm talking about. Aha, here it is. I don't actually yeah, know it, if he sells these, but I got to play with the prototype at IMTS. Oh, and, really? I mean, it's about the smallest you can make a knife. Yeah, because it just flips around. Because um, I saw that one a long time ago. 
Um, which now he's upgraded all of his machines to Haas machines. Yes. So, I, so he's probably getting a lot nicer quality out of them. Yeah, that's a really cool design. Can you hear that audio? Is that just on my end? I, that's just on your end. Okay, it was very loud and distracting in my ears. Um, <laughs> no worries. But yeah, Fidget Things is doing pretty well on upgrading all his machines. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he still makes those or if he went in favor of his other design. But yeah, yeah I mean, I'm sure but there's just, a way to do it. Yeah, just trying to trying to come up with some different ideas of something. And I'd like it to be a little more open sourced you know if i have any if anyone who's listening to this podcast if you have any ideas of something that'd be cool to make um feel free to reach out to me um because i you know the first design that we did it was something that i thought was cool but i want to get more feedback before i make my next thing and i want to try to get something that would be um a little more popular something that's a little lower dollar value because those seem to sell a lot better uh, going for volume over price. So mm, not with everything, but not with everything. No. Um, but typically with a higher volume, with a higher dollar item, you need to spend more time R and D work on it. Um, and we just don't have quite frankly, we don't have the budget internally right now to invest into something like that right now. So what about a like super minimalist pen? Yeah, we thought about doing that. Yeah, we we thought about doing that. I thought about doing something like a telescopic type pen that would extend out because I've seen like the miniature pens, which I really like and I'd like to do one. But I want to do one that's like, you know, a couple an inch and a half long when it's compressed, but can go out to about three times that length Mm. um, whenever it's fully extended. Because like the mini pens are nice, but if you I've tried using them before and they're so small, you need something that's at least like three or four inches in length to actually write well with. So I want something that can collapse down to maybe an inch, inch and a half long, but can extend out to about four inches in length or so. Yeah. The, the traditional method of doing a pen like that is like the Fisher space pen where you have a, basically the, the cap is the full length of the pen itself. And Mm -hmm. then when you, when you post the cap on the end of the pen, the pen becomes long. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. that only gives you a like a one to one expansion ratio. Yeah, I want to try to get more ratio. than that. I want to yeah. try to get more than that. So, and I don't know if that would be like a, a double cap type deal where you take it the apart twice. Cap. Yeah, cap yeah. on a cap, or if it's telescopic where they kind of fit fit into each other, and then you like pull it out and it'll extend out longer. Um, like a lightsaber, like a kid's mm-hmm. lightsaber. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty cool. That sounds so. way harder to make, and yeah, a lot more lot tire tolerances, a lot more complications. <laughs> but I think either one of those could be pretty cool. Um, you could do, but if, if you wanted to go just the simplest possible route, that would be for a uh a let's call it a two-piece pen or maybe a three-piece pen where you have a, a tip that threads onto a tube. Uh, then you have the tube, which on the end of that is there's threads in a knob and you move the pen tip in and out by just threading that knob or, mm-hmm. you know, rotating the knob right and left. 
and it has yeah. a lot of downsides in terms of usability because you might have to rotate it like five times but it has upsides in the fact that you can like you could knock one of those out in a day uh prototyping wise and they wouldn't yeah. be very expensive to make yeah i've thought about that or I've, I've even thought about one where it was done on a mill and you had segments that kind of folded in on themselves oh that'd be cool like a like like a like a knife that would yeah. unfold, but it could unfold both ways. So it had two arms that would unfold either way, and then that would give you your full length for writing. Yeah, CW and T, I believe, has a pen that's kind of like that. Uh, what's their Instagram? Charlie Whiskey Tango. You're killing me, Instagram. <laughs> but there's a lot of different ideas out there. Um, I need to do a better job of like market research to figure out what would actually, what people would like, like, how do, how do people do like when you came up with your not for climbing carabiners, did you talk to anyone about that? Or did you just come up with that idea or like the frog pod stuff? Um, how did, how did those ideas come about? Was that something that he, uh, you know, with the frog pod deal, I believe it was something that he wanted and then you said he should do a Kickstarter campaign on it. Um, yes. But for your carabiners, you're not for climbing carabiners. How did that come about? What was um, your process for that? So that started because I shipped the not for climbing or not the, the not for climbing, the parametric pry bars. And mm-hmm. I had ordered titanium, just like cheap titanium carabiners from AliExpress to ship with those. Mm-hmm. and they never showed up. And then I ordered some more, and they never showed up, and then I ordered some more, and they never showed up. And so I was like, well, I guess I'm making these myself now. And gotcha. so I made my own carabiners. People liked them. I made some more, and then I did a Kickstarter for them. Gotcha. So, yeah, see, the the most successful Kickstarters are things where people are like, man, I wanted to make this thing for myself, and everyone else liked it. I feel yeah. like. So the... And I think the reason for that is because it's a proven product before you go to Kickstarter. I think, and that's why I think opening or uh, developing products in the open is a good idea because yeah. when you define, like if you, if you design 50 products in the confines of your own little secret laboratory and mm-hmm. you choose one that you think is going to be good, there's a pretty good chance that you're wrong about which one was the best one. But uh-huh. if you design 50 products in the open and then 10,000 people choose which one they think is the best one, there's uh-huh. a pretty good chance that there's going to be a lot of people who want that. Yeah. Um, that's basically my whole business philosophy right there in a nutshell. Yeah. Just get it out there in the open as much as possible. And sure. And see, the thing that's always been petrified me has been the fear of the knockoff, um, which is ironic because I know I peruse all the time trying to get inspiration from mm-hmm. other people's designs. Um, so I, I don't, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you, you want to get inspiration for people, but you don't want to directly knock someone else off. Um, yeah. So. And which that in itself is probably a whole nother podcast episode. Yeah. Um, I think the easiest way of avoiding knocking somebody else off on accident is by having a very strong style of yourself. of your Mm -hmm. like having your own style like Mm -hmm. the better keychain stuff has a pretty 
it's not a, a complicated style, but like all of our stuff kind of looks the same, except the orange slice. Um, you know, we do ob round shapes with, you know, big fillets and it looks like a, um, oh, and mostly air. And then it looks like a, a, a better keychains product. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we did a knife, it would probably look similar. If we did a different key ring, so have, it would probably look similar. So having a design philosophy that everything's based around. Yes. Because then you language. can't accidentally steal somebody else's style. Yeah. I guess that's something that we haven't really ever found because we haven't got, gotten that deep into it. Um, hmm, I have to think about that. Um, on a side note, we have started working on your orange slices and they've been turning nice. out great. That's good because I'm very basically happy. out of everything at this point. I'm very happy with how they're turning out. So we're just waiting for the um, stainless steel ones to arrive because of my ordering mishap. Okay. And then we should have them all. Um, so the stainless steel ones were the ones that weren't going to be milled, right? No, it was the copper. Are you sure? Pretty sure. Yeah, it's the stainless. Because the stainless looks like the titanium. There's an orange slice, everybody, by the way. So are you telling me that I had it right and I should have just ordered the stainless? Uh, I think you are right, but like, I'm, I'm fine with it. Just send me whatever you're doing. Okay. I... I, so this... This is I will accept whatever you give me because I do not have formal POs and therefore I cannot go, hey, look at the PO I gave you. So Yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna send you Instagram screenshots of Instagram chats. I'm not I'm not that person. Oh man. I feel bad then because I was like I was like, I could have swore copper was the one that he wanted to Nope. I'll have to go look. Yeah. Then that means I had it right and I feel horrible. I mean, it's fine. I'll use them all. Yeah, we'll get you the we'll get you the fully machined ones. So, but um, anyways, um, but anyways, I'm pretty happy with how they're turning out. I hit them all good. on the on the sander before I started machining them, and to get rid I of that little tab. Mm-hmm. And also to machine the face of them a little bit, like uh, like sand the face of them because when that laser's going, it leaves little nubs on one side versus the yep. other. Um, which that side is obviously the side you want to machine first. That way, when you flip it over, it's not holding it up. So it's not that big of a deal. But I did find that by touching the face of them and having them removed first, it does seem to help it some for whatever reason. Yeah. On my carabiners, when I was machining my carabiners, I tumbled them before machining. Mm-hmm. Like I did a little pre tumble and it was to get rid of those little burrs and stuff so they would sit flat in my fixture. Mm-hmm. Didn't that help a lot? It, it made a huge difference. Yeah. Especially with the resin work holding. Mm-hmm. Now with yours, did you have all of your carabiners the same side facing up or did you rotate them? Yes. Okay. They, um, due to the taper on, from the laser cutting, uh, they would only fit in my fixture in one direction. Okay. And fortunately, SendCut Send was consistent about which orientation they cut them in. And they were all cut with the same taper. Which is probably no guarantee in the future. Um, but they did it this time. So that's what matters. And, and I, I kind of feel like they go off of whatever 2D drawing you send. Like that's going to be the top side no matter what. It it depends on how they have their software set up. Um, from my laser programming days, I know there's literally just a checkbox. 
And if you click that checkbox, it'll let you mirror it. And when you do that on some parts, it makes a big difference in how efficiently they nest. That makes sense. And sometimes it doesn't. But generally, and I don't know, this kind of goes back to how they're doing things. The way we were doing it and the software we were using, you could store basically a, a like a subroutine for your part, I guess would be the way to, to word it. Um, you could program your part and then store that in a database. And then, you know, let's say one day you were nesting um, the same parts onto a different program. You could pull in the exact same G code for that specific part. Mm-hmm. which you had already proven out. It would just be put with, you know, other parts on the sheet. Um, okay. And I assume that's what they are doing. I assume every time you reorder, they aren't reprogramming it, though they could be. And that's another way that you can program laser stuff. Uh, but generally, it is more reliable if you're reusing that same subroutine for every single, or for every time you do a part. That makes sense. Um, what else? Um, it's what's your been your your biggest takeaway this year for you? Um, take more time on on the design of the product and working out the process. And there might be some immediacy bias because you know Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think if I had taken a lot more of that time up front, which admittedly I took all the time I had, like I, you know, working a job plus trying yeah. to do design everything plus a family with three kids, like I used yeah. every single second of time that I had. Yeah. Um, but I would have, if I could go back and do it again in my current circumstances, I would have spent a lot longer on the design up front and on the machining processes just to make sure that they were more more reliable going through, you know, the whole, the whole process. Um, but again, I was, I did the best I could with the resources I had on hand. Now I have a lot more resources and next time will be better. Yep. Um, that's how it goes. Gosh, this year felt like it was 10 years long and I'm having a hard time remembering past, like (laughs) move everything that's happened. Yeah, this year was such a blur. We moved into this house uh, about a year ago, maybe almost exactly a year ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the move was a major thing. The year started with the parametric pry bar, which I was making while we were moving. My mill was mm-hmm. one of the very last things we moved because it was sitting in my garage, just like chomping out pry bars. Um, Did you have your 1100 MX at that point or was it still your old I one? I did. Yes. My, my MX okay. came... And my MX came to the old house maybe a month before we moved. Oh, okay. So it, it, we got it in, we set it up, we ran the pry bars, we tore it down, we moved it. Oh, man. It Yeah, it was, it was this whole year has just been so hectic um, in every possible way. Uh, my kids are probably also just about at the, the hardest stage that they're going to be in. Because let's see, at the beginning of the year, we had a five-year-old a two-year-old and a newborn. Um, yeah. And, you know, even now with just a year having passed, like my kids are, are so much easier than they were. Yeah. Um, well, I, I know that for us, we went literally from one machine 
in a corner of the shop to we've taken over the whole shop basically. <laughs> so yeah, we've grown like crazy. Um, <coughs> you have uh, lathe mill laser. Is that your current inventory? Lathe mill laser, three D printers, and a Cerakote booth. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah, I do not miss the days of Cerakoting things in the. Um, in my driveway, like my paint booth was walking out, like opening the garage door and walking out uh, to the grass and just like holding the thing I was Cerakoting up. I do not miss yeah. those days. Yeah. We actually have an actual Cerakote booth that my dad built us, nice. which is really nice. So, I mean, it's small, but it does a lot for the Cerakote keeps yes. it from getting blown around. Yeah. Um, actually, a Christmas present that I have on the way from my dad is a new powder coating booth. <laughs> the one I have now I threw together, I think literally for under a hundred dollars, it was like eight, two by fours and some um, plastic tarp mm-hmm. and like a box fan that I already had on hand aiming out the window, which has worked fine. Like it's not a, a terrible powder coat booth, but uh, sometime here shortly after the new year, we'll get, you know, real walls and a better lighting setup and, the whole thing a door so the powder doesn't escape on you mm-hmm. yeah yeah we have a lot of potential a lot of stuff we want to do same it all just takes time and money it does what's that uh growth eats cash for breakfast yep Mm-hmm. it also takes a lot of time it does <laughs> especially it does. when you don't been- have well, I okay. If you had employees, you'd just be doing more, which would just take more time. So, yeah. No, I'm I'm extremely happy and extremely blessed, and I hope we can keep on a trucking. I wanna I wanna see this last another ten years or more, at least. Say only ten years. <laughs> I said at least because I don't know. I mean, if I get a taste for this, I could start start a. There's there's so many different tangents. I would love like mm-hmm. I would love to get this business going and then start another business and start another business. Like I have fun with getting things going. Once they become so um once they're running smooth, I feel like I could get bored, which it, it, at least that's been my experience with past jobs is that once I've mastered them, I get tired of doing them and I want something new. Um I, I think when you own your own business, it's probably a little bit different. There's probably new challenges that you're always having to deal with. So that might not be the case, but um, there's still other companies that are completely different from what I'm, what I'm currently doing that I would love to do. And they build off each other. So it's like, mm-hmm. if I could get this business running on its own smoothly, then I could start another business that would feed into this one and kind of have a, a, a center synergistic relationship. I think is what I'm trying to say. And I think that'd be kind of cool. Some synergy. I, I'm agree. I agree with everything you say right now. My, my dream would basically be to be able to build a business without like this constant, like, you know, go, go, go. You need to rush, need to hurry everything. You need to get parts out now, or you're going to go out of business. You know, mm-hmm. you're running out of money. You know, everything you spend, if you spend a thousand dollars on this thing, that's less time that you're going to have to finish building the business. Mm-hmm. I would love to just be able to build a business and like, you know, have some other business 
you know, funding me to do so. Like, you know, design the everything, yeah. self-sustaining. I'm able to walk away, build, you know, business B mm-hmm. and just focus on it for six months before, you know, any product launch or anything. And that sounds nice. Well, yeah. And, and see, as well as, um, like, I have learned so much in this first year that if I was going to start all over from scratch, I'd do things completely differently. Like, like being able to hit the reset button and start all over from scratch, I feel like I would do things completely differently. I do a lot of stuff the same, but I do some stuff completely different. Um, like for what? one, I, I, for one, I feel like I would, I would be knocking on a lot more doors, a lot more violently and a lot more frequently <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> trying to get work in. Um, it's one of those things where you, and that's probably something I've struggled at some is that especially on the job shop side, once a month, at least I need to be knocking on people's doors being like, Hey, do you have any parts you need machined? Hey, do you got any parts you need machined? Hey, you got any parts you need machined? Like I need to be doing more of that. Um, and after, after the new year's, um, sometime next week, I'm going to try to make, go around to all the businesses that we've done work with and, and stop in, say hi and see if there's anything we can do for them. Yep. So, <coughs> if I had to restart, I would do, I think, less myself. I honestly don't think I would get, well, if we were doing this the smart way and not the fun way, I don't think I would get an 1100 <laughs> yeah. MX. I think I would have a 440 and probably a nicer 3D printer, a nice resin printer, and. Um, maybe something like a, a Wazer or I don't know, some sort of water jet mm-hmm. um, so that I could prototype things quickly, but not do the production myself. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And That's... I think I also focus more and not have a million side projects going on because that is a problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm really good at getting stuff 80% of the way there. Yeah. <laughs> that last 20% is always a struggle. It's also 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's true. But I think that's about all I got for right now. Um, it's been a great year, all things considered. I'm I'm happy and I'm excited and I'm nervous. I think it's kind of my takeaway. I Honestly, at this point, I feel like I'm at a little bit of a low point in in designing the everything. And again, mm-hmm. it's looking at that math going, okay, I know how much runway I have. I know how much money design the everything's making. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not, it's not working out yet. And then also, mm-hmm. like, I've been working for, you know, three months on a Kickstarter that's already happened that I've already been paid for. So, like, I'm still mm-hmm. looking back on projects. I'm not looking... F- you know, I'm not working forwards on the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's all cyclic. Like I'll be back yeah. in the fun part soon. And yeah, it'll be exciting watching the Kickstarter, and, see the numbers go up. And, and hopefully if you can off source off, off a little outsource outsource. Off, yeah. Sorry. My words are not words working are properly. <laughs> if you can outsource some of that, that'll hopefully help. Um, where you can stay on task more and and work on your next big Kickstarter and keep stuff going. 
I'll start with my little Kickstarter. I need to do my little Kickstarter before I do my big Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah. Which is so the, do you have do you have a couple Kickstarters lined up or planned out? I have a couple things that I want to do in general. Uh, honestly, which one I pick is not going to be decided basically until I start working on it. Um, just the way my my brain works, it's what I'm mm-hmm. what I'll, what I'm excited for and what I have momentum on at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, for my next, you know, hopefully big one. I do not expect this tape measure one to be big. I'm expecting an under 10k for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, probably in the the 6k range. Um, but it'll be a relatively quick and easy one. And if it's 6k in a month or two, like that, that's, that's reasonable. I can live on that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, okay, I can live on that if it's a month, considering that if you assume half of that is uh, profit. But mm-hmm. um, sounds good. I guess I don't always need to do thirty thousand dollars Kickstarters. No, but if you're trying to space them out as much as you are, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> so, because I think your goal was four a year, five a year, four a year at twenty k. Yeah, average. So. Mm-hmm. So well, that'll be good, and and that doesn't include any of your additional sales that happen after the Kickstarters. Correct. The kind of the where those numbers came from is working backwards from a hundred thousand dollars a year, and uh, four Kickstarters times twenty thousand dollars is eighty thousand dollars, and mm-hmm. then twenty thousand dollars of regular sales. Mm-hmm. That's that's where my math comes from. Yep, and your twenty thousand will grow as you get more products out there. That's like hopefully, yeah. So with the with the hope being that if you do, let's just say you do twenty thousand um, times four every year for the next five years, hopefully that last twenty thousand will grow, you know, by ten to twenty thousand more per year. So by year five, your sales are more than your four Kickstarters on average. Correct. Yeah. Though all products have a life cycle. So you, that's true. no matter what it is, if you launch a product, it'll sell really well for a bit and then it'll slowly taper down. And sometimes they taper to nothing. Sometimes they, they do have a steady state. Um, like, you know, Dove Soap, I think is the longest, one of the longest running products in the US. And I mean, obviously yeah. they're still selling some, but... Mm-hmm. Um, other products they they taper off. That's true, they do. Um, but I don't really know what that product life cycle is going to look like. Is it going to be five years? Is it going to be ten years? Are all of mine going to have residual sales, or none of them going to have residual sales? Um, mm-hmm. The carabiners have been have been moving. Um, oh, good. I was going to ask have they been have, have they been selling on Etsy? Yeah. So let's see if. Yeah, they were live on Etsy for under 15 days, and I sold, I don't know, at least $300 of them. Um, That's awesome. Which means that that would hit my goal of having products that are selling. Um, I, I want to, what was my goal? I'm booking my board. Five, in, in 2023, I want five new products that sell at least $500 a month on Etsy. Um, and so that should be like the first like as long as those sales keep up, that that should be meeting you know one of those products for that goal. That's awesome. So, 
So hopefully yeah. they keep up. I think the key rings are also going to do well. I've sold a couple of those. I used to sell a bunch of titanium key rings back when I was just importing them from, from China. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that mine are so different than normal key rings, but we'll see. I really like them because I got one with my keychain. Did you? Yeah. My, yeah. I really like it. Which does that laser cut that middle slot? And that's, yep. that's just how they come. Yep. That's impressive. That's super impressive. Um, yeah, for those of you that don't know, these key rings are, uh, they're laser cut and they're not, you know, round. Oh, that's primary color. That shouldn't say primary color. They're not round like a normal key ring. They're, they're oblong, uh, which means they take up less space on your key ring. And then also they, um, they're easier to get keys on and off of. It's almost like a tiny carabiner. Yeah, they're awesome. I really liked it. I thought they were sweet. <coughs> yeah, that's the that's the sleeper product I have right now. Like nobody knows or really understands that they're an improvement uh, until mm-hmm. they get one, and once they get one, they're like, "Oh, this is way better than a normal keyring." Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. I'm really happy with that. I was, I was, that was something that kind of caught me off guard with how good it was. So. Hopefully I can find more things like that in the future. Yeah. And it's, and that's kind of the thing is it, it all goes back to the, the products that you spend the least amount of time on generate you the most. Typically yes. <laughs> it's so annoying. Not it's that like the key I, rings are uh, ever going to be a, I got to have to sell a lot of key rings to make a living. True. Um, true. But like, I bet that took you five minutes to draw up and then it, to turn out as well as it did. I mean, I bet the amount of effort in that versus your versus your uh, carabiners. You okay? Compared to the carabiners, yes, there is more work that goes into a key ring than you would think. So, yes, the initial model infusion was two minutes or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but I knew that I was going to be tinkering with those, and so I made it parametric. And we went through about three revisions with Send, Cut, Send. Um, And then also it went out to all of my prototype of the month backers to get feedback. And I believe it was like revision D, basically, that made it to the Kickstarter. So So, they're simple, but there's probably a couple hundred dollars of laser cut parts there and design time and feedback from my um, beta testers. Which, speaking of which, how does that feedback work? When they get it, do they have like an online survey they fill out or do they just message you? Like, how does the feedback work? I have tried a number of methods with them. Um, the original plan was I was going to do a video for everybody and then have a survey that they could fill out. Um, that, that failed miserably. There was like three people that watched my video that I made them. Because I, I can see the analytics, guys. And... <laughs> <laughs> calling them out <laughs> yeah and so nobody was watching those videos and so like i tried doing a survey and what i eventually like eventually just discord became the best way of doing it and so we just talk about it in in my design the everything discord and much like the sticker of the month club i now write a prototype of the month club letter that goes mm-hmm. in the prototype of the month club because i knew nobody was reading the posts i was doing on patreon um so this way they have no choice but to see my my letter because it shows up with their product. 
Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes, like, it, I want people to understand that the the things that I'm specifically looking for on the prototype of the month, like how does, like the, on the tape measures, like how is this going to hold up over time? The durability, how, like that was one of the things I was wondering about. Um, and so I was able to write that in the letter. And I can also say things like, I know this is terrible, you know, like if, um, like my original version of the lanyard, the elastic that I had on it was awful. And I was able to mm-hmm. write like, I know this elastic is is terrible. It's all I was able to get on short notice. But, you know, how's the overall everything else? Just ignore that. That doesn't exist. Just focus on the rest of the design. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm able to say things like that in a letter. And I know that people will read it this time. So do you, do you include that letter whenever you ship them out? Yes. with the pro- or- Well, I've only done this one month now, but the um, the letters. But yes, the letter will go in the package with the prototype. So they have to see it. Yeah. Can't get away from it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a link. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, and that, do you have people that'll respond to you on discord after reading that? Yes. So on discord, they'll see it. They'll look at it. They'll, you know, send me a message. Um, sometimes I get like out of band messages, like people send me a message on Instagram, or whatever, if that's just the, the platform we normally interact on. Um, that's good. Yeah. Noise. Um, I think that's all I got right now. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've got, I need to make a bunch of videos coming up. I have a couple that are in the editing queue right now, which I probably should touch base with Scott about. Um, I have a couple I want to record. I want to record a video about handling unhappy customers. Um, because for the first time ever, I've had unhappy comments on a Kickstarter campaign. Really? Yes. I um, I I won't say I had unhappy customers, but I've had two. We've typically have gotten four uh, five star reviews on everything that we've done on Etsy, and I got two four star reviews recently on two different mm. products. And it was for, for people valid who reasons did, or for invalid reasons. Um. Well, one of them was for a dice case where a gentleman did not read our comment that said that these were for 16 millimeter dice and he got it for 20 millimeter dice was like, it wouldn't fit my 20 millimeter dice. I had to put 16 millimeter dice in it. And it's like, okay, that's like, it's it's in the description. Like we should probably put it in the title. That needs to be in the title. Yeah. But it is in the description. Um, and then, so that's a valid criticism. Um, and then the other one was the 3D printed gun stands. Mm-hmm. The um, guy was like, oh, they're too light. But I haven't heard anyone that said that any of them have broke yes, or anything. So plus, if I tried to do them as solid 3D prints, they'd be a lot more expensive. So that that complaint right there is basically the complaints I've been getting on the Kickstarter is people get the, the carabiners and they go, oh, these can't possibly be secure. Um, and it's be and to be fair, like this, these carabiners were designed to be lightweight. They were never designed to be particularly sturdy, um, yes. which is something that I understood. I think it's something that most people understood, but it wasn't communicated like super clearly, uh, mm-hmm. except where I called it the not for climbing carabiner. I thought that was kind of me trying to poke at that, but there have been 
Uh, now, three different people. Two people have asked specifically for a return, which I have given them. The third person, uh, they like right before we started, just left me a comment and I haven't gone around to it. Um, they didn't ask for a return. I'll, I'll see if they want one or not. But mm-hmm. in, in all three cases, they got it and they're like, this feels really wimpy. And it feels like it won't hold my key securely, which has never been a problem with our beta testers. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it was never really something I was worried about, but like, I understand how you could pick it up and be like, I'm not going to trust my keys on that. And that's so a communication problem on my end, setting expectations. So here's a question for you. Um, and I thought about this when I got it, this is probably my only criticism of it. And I understand why you did it this way. You have it as a laser cut profile all the way around. And then you're only adding the slots. Mm-hmm. Could you go in there with a side cutter? And cut a groove where they cannot flop past each other. Um, I tried. You did? Okay. So there is a unreleased design the everything video on this. Uh, Okay. Actually unedited because there wasn't really enough content there for a video. Um, I I tried for a couple days to get a design that that worked. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't get anything I was happy with going off of the laser cut parts. Okay. Okay. Um, I wondered about that. So it basically what I, if I, if I was going to make it laterally stable like that, it goes from being a $30 carabiner to like a $90 carabiner. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's enough of an improvement to justify it. Um, so like it was, I mean, it wasn't an accident. Like this was an intentional design trade-off that I made. Uh, whether that was the right choice or the wrong choices to be, you know, decided by the public, not me. Um, mm-hmm. But less than one percent of the people complaining, I think, is fine. Like it was a communication yeah. issue, not a design issue. Yeah, yeah. And I, like I said, I know there's a whole completely valid reason as to probably why you did it that way. But I say that's probably the only thing that I could see out of it that I could see. Like my wife picked it up and she was like but it's not stabilized side to side. I'm like, it's part of the process. Like that's how it's designed. I said, but I mean, it's, it's a, it's a valid criticism, but it's also one that I completely understand why it was done that way. Yeah. I've never had issues with keys falling off of it. Um, I've heard from one of our testers that if they kept it in their pocket, it could pop open. Um, but they didn't lose keys off of it. And yeah. everyone else has you know, told me that it's fine. Um, I, I mean, I've had it. I mean, I wouldn't use it for camping. It's not that kind of carabiner, but yeah, for for everything that I've used it for, it's been fine. So, I wonder if even if I had just not called it a carabiner, if that would have managed expectations better. If I had called it like a key ring, would people have? No, I think carabiner grabs people's attention more. That's true. It's it, it is it is a carabiner. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you did a good job. I think you're managing expectations well. And I didn't know you had tried that, but I kind of <laughs> figured you had. So, um, but no, I'm I'm happy with it. I really like it, and it was so light. That's probably the number one response I get whenever I show up people it because yes. I showed a lot of people it. I'm like, look at this carabiner that my friend made, and. 
Um, they're like, oh, wow, that's so cool. It's so light. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's crazy light. I'm like, it's titanium. They're like, whoa. <laughs> well, one of the dirty secrets of product design is people don't really like lightweight things unless they're shoes. Um, when you give somebody, when you hand something to somebody, like the heavy feeling conveys quality, even mm-hmm. if it's a inferior, uh, like even if it's in reality inferior to have something heavy, like when mm-hmm. they feel that it's heavy, they're like, wow, this is stout. This is good old quality American metal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think having the carabiner that weighs, it's like seven grams without powder coating. I've, I've never actually measured one with powder coating, but it's seven grams without powder coating, um, which is light enough that a balloon can carry it off. And I think for people who are used to like, you know, big heavy metal monstrosities on their keychain, when they get that little seven gram piece of titanium, which is like 90% air, it's a little bit disconcerting to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one isn't rated for twenty thousand newtons of yeah. pull force. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> no. Yeah, you can <laughs> you can do twenty on my carabiners, but even then, like, yeah, be careful. Like, <laughs> not not for climbing. Yeah. Um, I made. <laughs> did you see my Instagram story of the really really not for climbing carabiner? Uh. Uh-uh. I tried I to three D print one. one, but it was like basically oh. pure noodle. That's hilarious. I'll have it, it worked like it was functional, but it, it the the pressure on it was so incredibly light that mm-hmm. it wasn't good. My I my theory behind doing that and the reason I test printed it is because I wanted to put the design up on printables and mm-hmm. be like, here you can three D print a plastic one, but if you want a metal one, here's a link to my store. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't have was- the motivation to redesign it for plastic. Gotcha. That makes sense. So maybe someday in the future. Maybe someday. And I, I'd like to do some more 3D printed products as well at some point. Mm-hmm. Those are just simple, easy. Um, we've <laughs> we've sold over $10,000 worth of 3D printed plastic so far. That's crazy. So, yeah. So like if I could get more products, it's something that just kind of runs continuous in the background. It's got to be the right product. You can't 3D print everything. Yep. But for some stuff, if you can if you can do it, it does well. Yeah, it's I could see it being easy to get overwhelmed by volume just cuz like it's a slow process. So like if you could you could easily go like okay, with my carabiners or whatever, my normal Etsy products. It's easy to go a week without selling something and then all of a sudden you sell five of them. Mm-hmm. And when you're like machining stuff, like it's, you know, you can machine five and 45 minutes or whatever, or an hour. But mm-hmm. with 3D printing, then it's like, oh, that's five days of printing all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the plus side is as long as that doesn't happen, like, you know, hit button, receive product. Once it's designed and you've done all the, the harder setup work. Yeah. There's a guy, and I, I don't remember his name. He does 3D printed Nerf guns. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got um, no lost darts or something like that. Uh, out of darts, out of darts. Yeah, like that's kind. Of, I I really have watched a lot of his stuff, and I love how he does everything three D printed. I think he's got a three D print farm of like one or two hundred printers now. Holy cow! Going, 
going like continuously. Yeah. Okay. At that point, you just need to invest in injection molding. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, he's selling a lot of them out of 3D printed stuff. So it gives them the ability to iterate and change. And, that's true. And okay, that's when you buy one of the um, powder printers. Yeah. The laser yeah. ones, but yeah. I I would love to get a desktop um, um, injection mold machine. I think that'd be a ton it's of fun. Same. Um, like, my, yeah. uh, my frog pod friend, Tom, he was given one on a semi-permanent loan from Jimmy Duresta, mm-hmm. and I'm super jealous of him. Oh, really? I would love to play with one, yeah. I don't Jimmy know Duresta I gave him it. one? Yes, <laughs> on a semi-permanent loan. <laughs> yeah, of That's course he's cool. friends with Jimmy. Tom's friends with everybody. Oh, my goodness. That's cool. I need to get out and meet these people. Yeah. More. I'm stuck in a hole in Arkansas. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, all of us are stuck in weird places and, you know, there's not like one place where everybody is. That's true. You just have to go to meetups and stuff. Yeah. Not that I go to the maker ones. I really just go to like IMTS. and. Yeah, which I really wanted to go to, but didn't make it out this year. So it'll be two years from now. I should hopefully be able to make it. 2023, I guess, is the next one. Oh, is, is it is is it every year? Oh, 2020. I'm I I thought this was already next year and I thought last year was 2021. So never mind. I'm I'm tired. I'm tired and sick and bad at math. <laughs> I also thought Monday was Christmas. So <laughs> yeah. On that uh, note, do you have anything else to add before we wrap up? Uh no. I think I need to to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. We both have been a little sick these past, past few days. So, um, For those of you who have listened to us in our tired, sickly states, uh, thank, we're thanks sorry. For listening to it. Yeah, sorry. Sorry we had to endure that. Um, thanks for listening to us. Please please share and, and uh, tell all your friends about us as our podcast group continues to grow. Um, and check in with us next week where we have a, a, a special podcast coming Ooh, out. I forgot. We do have a special podcast. Yeah. Which is so, part of the reasons why I thought Monday was Christmas. Yes. Yes. So Jake. next week will be a special one. And uh, so don't miss it. And we'll see. This is Harrison with uh, Precision Ingenuity and here with AJ from Design the <laughs> Everything signing out. Bye. <laughs> Bye.